Welcome back to Project Badass Podcast. My name is Madison Reeves and I'm your host and author of Project Badass. And today I want to do a mini episode to tell you how I purchased my investment property for $3,500 out of my pocket. So that is definitely a bold claim to make because it usually costs a little bit more money than that (laughs) to purchase an investment property. But I'm gonna break it down for you as easy as I can as digestible as I can on how you could replicate this and how you could get into your first investment property for um, the same amount of money or close to. That is my goal today. So for those of you who don't know, I am a licensed real estate agent in the state of South Dakota, and I'm going to be talking about some things as a licensed real estate agent. I'm also going to be talking about some things in regard to financing a mortgage, but please know that I am not a mortgage broker. I'm not a mortgage lender. So this is just the general information that I know as being in this industry as a real estate agent. And if you have any questions in regard to the financing portion and specifics, I recommend that you reach out to a local lender. So to get started on how exactly I purchased an investment property for $3,500 out of my pocket, I first want to talk to you about the loan types. Now, if you're not familiar with real estate investing or real estate purchases in general, there are three main loan types that I want to talk to you guys about today. FHA, VA, and conventional. So let's get started with FHA. This is known as your first time home buyers loan. That's what it's most commonly used for, but it is not only used for first time home buyers. FHA, you can put down anywhere from three to three and a half percent down, depending on your specific lending requirements, as well as the lender that you work with. FHA is also a 30 year fixed loan with PMI, private mortgage insurance for the entire duration of having a FHA loan. So FHA can be great to get into as a first time home buyer. If why it's used as a first time home buyer loan is because it's such a small portion down three and a half percent. But FHA can also be a great option where in my case, I ended up going FHA for my property because the interest rate was lower than a conventional loan at the time that I locked my interest rate in when I was under contract on my property. Now, a couple things you should know about FHA that are going to be critical when we get further into the process of how I purchased an investment property for $3,500 is FHA, of course, my PMI insurance, my private mortgage insurance is going to make it so that my mortgage payment is going to be higher than say a conventional mortgage where your PMI drops off after you pay a certain amount down. Now I weighed the pros and cons and FHA also is a better option for me in this specific case because the interest rate was so much lower than conventional that I was able to go ahead and um, still have a lower payment even with the PMI because of the interest rate. Something else to know as FHA is you cannot rent this out and collect income as an FHA loan. This also has to be your primary residence. So I want you to keep in mind that as I talk you through the next steps of how I did this, because I did purchase this as an investment property. Loan type number two that we're going to talk about, it's not really a specific of exactly what I used, but just so you're aware, is a VA loan. A VA loan is a loan that can be used by someone who is actively in the military or is a retired veteran. VA loans is usually 0% down. This doesn't mean $0 out of your pocket. It just means you don't have a down payment. And you also have to make this your primary residence. With FHA and VA, they also have specific appraisal requirements. Um, A couple of those in the South Dakota area is you can't have chipping and peeling paint on the exterior of the home. You can't have broken glass in any of the window panes and any general health or safety hazards that are very obvious in the appraisal will be flagged as well. So keep that in mind. 
Now the third and final loan type that we're going to talk about today is conventional loan. Now conventional is by far the best loan in most scenarios. You can do anywhere from 5 to 10% down, 5% down if you do not carry any other mortgages. It will get closer to that 10, 20, 25% if this is a second home or an investment property for you and you already own a property. Conventional though, you do not have to do it as your primary residence. PMI drops off after you pay down a certain portion of your mortgage. And with conventional, they do not flag many things, if anything, on your appraisal report. So keep that in mind as well. Now again, I just want to emphasize, I purchased my home with an FHA loan, 3.5% down because the conventional interest rate was higher and it made more sense to get an FHA loan with a lower interest rate, even with a PMI in terms of my monthly payment and the money I had to bring to the table. 3.5% for FHA, 5% for conventional. So now knowing the loan types that are most commonly used in a purchase like this or a purchase that you would make, let's talk about what I did to prepare for my purchase. Number one was I went and I got a pre-approval letter from a lender. We weighed the different options of loan types like I just talked with you about and I decided that FHA with the interest rate is going to be the best option for me. Now this did limit a couple things for me because this had to be my primary residence and it also had to be something that would pass appraisal or could be sweat equity could be done so it could pass appraisal like I talked about, chipping and peeling paint, broken window, um, and then any obvious health and safety hazards. So got my pre-approval letter. I knew as an agent, especially because I'm knowledgeable in this space, I knew exactly what I should be looking for. I also knew what my budget was. Being that this was an investment property, when it, you, when it comes to purchasing investment real estate, what it really comes down to is does the numbers work? Does it make sense financially? So I knew for what I was looking for, I really didn't want to spend any more than 300000 And then of course, because I was doing 3.5% down and my lender said that I should estimate about $7,000 in closing costs, I wanted to make sure I had that money in the bank so when the right property came up, I was able to purchase it and would have any issues. So prepared with those three things, pre-approval letter, 300,000 was my budget and I had the cash in the bank. Number three is identifying the property. So I'm gonna talk to you about how I identified the property I ended up purchasing and kind of the key criteria that I was looking at to identify that property. And number two, I'm gonna talk about the under contract process. So with that being said, let's talk about the couple things that I wanted to identify in the property. Number one is price. Obviously, I wanted to keep it under 300000 but the biggest thing is I'm not going to spend 300000 just because that's my budget. I'm going to spend the money that makes the most sense in terms, of, in terms of my return on investment because this is an investment property. So that brings me into my second thing, which is I wanted to find a property with value add, something that I could add value into, whether this was um, you know, maybe something where I purchased a multifamily unit, like a triplex or a fourplex, lived in one and rented out the other two or three. I, if I was going to go that scenario, which is called house hacking, and if you guys are interested in hearing about house hacking with multifamily, that's an entirely other episode, just let me know. But if I wanted to go the route of doing multifamily where I made one of the units my primary residence, I wanted to find one that I could either put sweat equity to so I could increase the rents or a multifamily that had renters in there that their rents could be increased. Option three would be a multifamily that's completely vacant. I could possibly, you know, do that sweat equity 
and get tenants in there for the current market rental rates and add value in that regard. Now, the other option and what we ended up opting for was our single family value add, where something that we could put, we find something that needed a little bit of sweat equity and we could put some time and money into it and then we could go ahead and cash out, refinance this loan and pull our money out of it and add value to the property. So that's what we ended up doing and I'll talk more a little bit about that later on. So let me give you a just a general rundown. I'm gonna tell you the story about how I found the property. Now, because I'm a real estate agent, we have access to a platform or platforms, depending on your area, called the MLS, your multiple listing service. And this is the and this is the platform that we use to see all of the listings that are listed in our area by a real estate agent. And I logged on to the MLS one morning like I do every single day and I saw this property and I said, this is a great price, this is a great location and from the photos, I can definitely add value here. So I went ahead and I let my partner know, my fiance know, hey, let's go and take a look at it. I think this could be everything that we're looking for. So I'm gonna tell you specifics about my property. Now. It is located in Leeds, South Dakota, which is a great area for our location in my specific area of the Black Hills. It's a great area for long-term rentals as well as short-term rentals like Airbnb, VRBO. It's about 10 minutes away from Deadwood, South Dakota, where if you're listening and you're not familiar with the Black Hills, Deadwood is a hot spot for tourism. So that was great, you know, because it's gonna bring people in. So either short-term or long-term rental, which I knew is eventually what we were going to do, was a home run either way. A couple of other things is the house needed, needed, a couple of other things is that the house really did need some sweat equity, paint, flooring, new kitchen, new bathroom, but it wasn't anything major like I needed a new roof or a brand new foundation. It was small main maintenance things that we estimated we could do for a set budget within a decent amount of time. So we did those numbers and a couple of other things that really drew us to this house is it was sitting on two lots and it also had a three car garage and it was listed at 229, so 229,000. So all of these things, I was like, this is gonna go quick. It's priced very competitively and it looks like it checks all of our boxes. Great location within our budget, well below our budget at 229 and it has value add, and this is something that I think that I could add value into and then refinance for a higher price when we're done. So with the initial offer, we did offer um, $229 asking the sellers to provide a $7,000 seller prepaid credit, which basically that prepaid credit, if the seller would agree, would pay for all of my closing costs, the $7,000 that I told you guys about at the beginning of the episode so that I would only have to worry about bringing three and a half percent to the table for my down payment. So I offered that, we were gonna go through inspections, we're getting an appraisal, we're getting our FHA loan, it was about a 45 day process. Now, they did end up accepting our offer, however, they did go ahead and increase the purchase price to 236. Now this was to compensate them as the sellers for that $7,000 that I asked for. Now at this point, I did know that the property was still worth the 236 and I was willing to, the numbers worked out, to pay a little bit more to not have to bring that $7,000 out of pocket to the table. So that's the offer that we did go in at and we went under contract with. 
Next up was we went into home inspection negotiations. Now this house was built in 1909, so it's not perfect <laughs> by any means. We knew that there were things that needed to be done and it was definitely something that we were willing to take on, but we wanted to make sure that no, all of the major material defects, roof, foundation, plumbing, electrical, HVAC were taken care of. So that's what we were really looking for in our home inspection. Now, there were a few things that came up and after doing some negotiation back and forth, we ended up having the sellers credit us $3,000, which brought our purchase price down to $233 and we repaired a few things from the sellers as well. So now we are sitting at home inspections are done and we're sitting at $233,000 as our purchase price. Now it's time for appraisal. Now the appraisal comes and goes. This was by far, even as a real estate agent who understands the process, this was the most um, nerve wracking time because I need to make sure that this property appraises and I'm making a smart decision. So they do the site visit, they do the appraisal, and we are happy to receive an appraisal value back of 15,000 over asking price, over what we were paying. So this is amazing. We already have built-in equity and we have met all the conditions for the lender and we're about to close. So I'm gonna go over the final numbers to close because I told you I purchased this investment property for $3,500 and that is the truth. Number one, my closing cost, the $7,000 is being paid by the sellers. I'm paying $233,000 for this property. They're crediting me $7,000 of that $233,000 and my home is worth more than what I'm paying for it by quite a bit. So with that being said, I also owe three and a half percent down. Um, now keep in mind as a licensed real estate agent, I get paid a commission for every property that I sell. That's how I make my money. That's how I put food on my table. Even purchasing my own property, I still get paid commission on that. So I chose to take my two and a half percent commission as the buyer's agent and went ahead and put that towards the three and a half percent down payment. So I only had to bring one percent to the table. Now let's talk about what, what else did I pay for? Well, I put a thousand dollars down on my offer called earnest money, which basically tells the seller that I am serious about this property and compensates them for taking it off the market. By successfully closing this property, that $1,000 was credited to my overall closing costs towards that 1% that I still owed. I also paid $850 out of my pocket during the process for the appraisal. That was also credited to the 1% that I owed. Now, something else to keep in mind is, so we're at $1,850 between the earnest money and the appraisal. Now, I said I spent $3,500. Where did the rest of the money come from? Well, I also spent $350 on the inspection. Now, this isn't anything that's credited towards my loan. This is something that I just paid out of pocket so that I knew if there were any major material defects on the property. So all in all, $1,000 for the earnest money, $350 for the inspection, $850 for the appraisal, and after earnest money and appraisal was credited to my purchase price, or my, I'm sorry, after the earnest money and the appraisal was credited towards my cash to close as well as the $7,000 credit from the seller and my 2.5% commission. All that I had to bring to the table from there was $1,300. So $1,000 plus $350 plus $850 plus $1,300 is $3,500 to purchase this property. Now, let's talk about, that's great and all Madison, but I'm not just going to go get my real estate license to use the commission for my down payment. Totally understand if I wasn't a real estate agent, I could have gone ahead and just brought that three and a half percent to the table 
and bring it out of my pocket and I would have spent more to buy this property, but that is totally doable. There are a bunch of other things that you could potentially do, um, whether that be a friend or a family gift you the money. Um, depending on your state, they might also have down payment assistance. There are a lot of options. I would ask your lender about what that looks like for your specific state. So we own the home now. We paid $3,500. Overall purchase price that we landed on was $233,000 and appraised for over that. So we own the home, now we're doing the renovations. So what do those renovations look like and what does it look like post renovations? We are putting a set amount of dollars into this property over anywhere from a three to six month period, just depending on how long it takes to get certain contractors out there. We are doing a lot of this work on our own as my fiance does do this for us full time. Now, when the renovations are done, remember when I told you that I cannot rent this out as an Airbnb or long-term rental, as an FHA loan. So it's imperative that when the renovations are done, I'm going to go through a process with my lender called cash out refinance, which basically means, let me just give you some easy numbers. Please note that these are not actual numbers because we're still in the renovation process. I'm just gonna give you some easy numbers so you can generally see what a cash out refi process would be. So let's just say, for example purposes, I owe 230,000. I put in the money to renovate it and I go ahead and I refinance it at that 6% mark. I do the cash out refi. When I do the cash out refi, they're gonna do a new appraisal on the property to see what the new value is from putting all that sweat equity into it. So I purchased it for 330 or 230, I'm sorry. So just for easy math. And let's say it appraised for 330. So I have $100,000 worth of equity in there. I can go ahead, cash out, refinance this into a conventional loan. So now it does not have to be my primary residence. I also can rent it out short term and long term. And of that $100,000 worth of equity, I can take 80% of it. So I'm going to take 80%, so $80,000. I'm going to take that out of the home. I now have a mortgage on this property for $330,000. I take the 80 grand, I can go ahead and recoup my cost for the renovations that I spent and use that money to go and purchase a new investment property, which is what our plan is. Um, in fact, our plan is to take whatever equity we have in there, put a portion of it to build an apartment above the garage on this specific property and take a portion of it to put as a down payment on our next investment property. So this first one was basically just to put in a little bit of capital to earn a lot of capital to continue to build our portfolio of real estate investments. Now, not every property is going to be able to cash out refi this way. You have to find something that has a value add, something that I can put sweat equity into or something that I can add value into whatever way it might be. So when I cash out refi, the equity is there. You know, the average year over year increase of value of a home is only 6%. So I have to find something that I can drastically change the value of for this to make sense. That's why it was so important when we were identifying the property. So with that being said, now we complete the cash out refi, we take 80% of the equity, it's now a conventional loan. I don't have private mortgage insurance on it anymore and I don't have to use it as a primary residence and I can rent it out as an Airbnb and use it as an income pr producing asset. So that is the future plans for this property that we have named the Arcadian. The Arcadian is a beautiful property. It was built in 1909 in Leeds, South Dakota. It's one of the original properties there in Leeds. And it is a three bedroom, two bathroom property on 1500 square feet. Um, it also has 0.26 acres. We're gonna have an 
uh, an outdoor fire pit. We're going to have a hot tub, an outdoor kitchen, a beautiful deck that overlooks the views of the open cut and lead, which is the old gold mine. And it's literally 10 minutes away from Deadwood where they have um, Dead Weird, Oktoberfest, Cool Deadwood Nights, a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's South Dakota's Vegas is what I like to call it. So if you're interested, this property should be available to rent out in quarter one of 2023 after we finish the crash out refi. And we have so many people already reaching out to us to rent out this property and experience what this house has to offer. It's so cool. Original hardwood floors, original light fixtures, pocket doors. It's absolutely beautiful. And we are restoring it back to its former glory as much as we can. So if you're interested in learning more about the Arcadian, or want to go ahead and get on the wait list to potentially rent this. Um, we'll also probably do a grand opening open house when this is all complete. Click the link below and join our wait list. Um, we'd love to have you come and check out a piece of the Black Hills history. So just a quick little episode here. I really wanted to share with you guys the process of how I purchased an investment property for $3,500 and the future um, plans for the Arcadian as well. If you guys have any questions about this, as always, let me know. And if you want me to go more in depth about real estate investment properties in general, house hacking, the Burr strategy, I mean, I could make an entire podcast just about real estate investing. So let me know. I'd be happy to produce some more episodes for you that go over that in detail and I will catch you next time. See you then.